Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. We're going to jump right in. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded the certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity, this privilege we have to gather in your house this morning. Lord, I ask that it would be your word spoken today, not mine. God, I ask that you would anoint these words, open our hearts, soften our hearts, Lord, to receive what you would have us receive today from your word. Might we leave here changed, having a better revelation of who you are and what you've called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, amen. I heard a story recently of a Los Angeles firefighter by the name of Derek Bart. This was about 30 years ago. He's got many years of experience on the job, and he rushes into this house fire, and he notices he has very little time. The house is quickly being engulfed in flames as he's running from room to room, trying to find any survivors, trying to find anybody to help room. He's not seeing anybody. The next room, he's not seeing anybody. The clock is ticking for every room that he checks. Finally, he makes his way to a child's room. And based on his training, on his experience, he knows that when in the case of a fire, children will hide if there's a fire. So he knows to check under the bed, check the closets. And as he's frantically searching, he doesn't have much time. He runs to the bathroom and he notices a little girl that was in the tub and she had burns on her hands and burns on her face. Without a moment's hesitation, he runs in, sweeps her up, throws her over his shoulders, and in a matter of seconds, seconds later, it would have been too late. He runs out of the house, and he ends up saving her life. This was such a famous story because 28 years later, this same firefighter was in a grocery store, and he passes by a woman, and he noticed she had some burns on her face and on her hands, and he goes up to her and says, I hope I don't sound insensitive, but 28 years ago, I saved a little girl from a fire, and turns out that that was the same girl now grown up as a woman, and they got to reconnect, and she got to formally thank her hero. Such a cool story. It was so powerful. Right at the last second, he was able to save this girl from sudden death. There are many moments throughout Scripture where we see God intervene right before tragedy strikes. You can see it with the Israelites, right as they're about to be engulfed by the Egyptian army. God, at the last possible second, uses Moses to part the Red Sea, and they're escorted and led to safety. Right as Abraham is on the mountain about to sacrifice his son, he hears a voice cry out, stop, no, wait, and he looks over, and there's a ram caught in the bushes to be in place of his son's sacrifice, and Isaac is saved. There are moments all throughout scripture you see God intervene right before tragedy strikes. But in this particular moment, we see these individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they get put into the fire. 
I'm sure there was a moment where they're gearing up to go into the fire. Surely God will save us. Surely God is going to intervene. We're getting close to the fire. I can start to feel the heat. I can start to see it. Surely God's going to step in. Surely God's going to prevent this from happening. And if you know the story, you know, inevitably they get thrown in. So what do we do when we experience what these young men went through? What do we do when you still go into the fire? I think that happens more often than not. One of the most crucial steps in building any structure is the process of fireproofing that structure. I remember when the building we're in right now, the seats we're sitting in was just a field. And then eventually it was foundation. And eventually we got to see beams and structure being put together. And one of the most crucial parts of that process was fireproofing everything. It is a way of protecting what was built. And if a building requires so much attention to that fireproofing process, how much more attentive do we need to be in fireproofing our own lives? So I want to talk to you today about becoming fireproof. Really, even specifically, I want to give you three steps of fireproofing your life. Leading up to this scripture, you know, if you recall from last week, Pastor touched on it briefly. We looked at the story of Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar invades the city of Jerusalem and steals thousands, kidnaps thousands of young people. He was looking for the best of the best, the brightest, those possessing knowledge and great wisdom. And he kidnaps all of these people to the province of Babylon. And he instructs and kind of puts different people in different places of leadership. Daniel, of course, we heard about last week and looked at his story, where we get the Daniel fast from. And then these three individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Bible says that the king put in leadership over a certain province of Babylon. So these, these are leaders in the community. These are prominent figures. And while all of that is going on, you kind of see what the king is doing in his culture. He, he's, the Bible says in verse 8 that he makes a gold image whose height was 60 cubits and its width was six cubits. So if you're horrible at math, I did it for you. That's about 90 feet tall and about nine feet wide. That's about, for reference, one-third the size of the drop zone at King's Island. And while he's kind of putting all these leaders in place, the king is, is laying out the culture. The culture is the characteristics and the beliefs of a certain people. The king is setting the culture for the land. He's, he's teaching people how he wants them to behave and how he wants them to live and how he wants them to think. And he makes this decree that he builds this statue in his image. And he says, whenever you hear horns blow and trumpets sound, whenever you hear this sound, I want you to, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, take a moment, stop and bow down. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're looking at, what you're focused at, stop what you're doing and turn your attention to this image. Whoever doesn't, will be immediately thrown into the fiery furnace. The king's setting the culture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love, however, they have standards. Amidst the culture that they're placed in, amidst the culture that they're living in and surrounded by, they have standards that there is no other God but our God that deserves my worship. I will not bow my knee. I will not turn my focus to anything but my God. The king, on the other hand, he's setting what the culture should be, and he's setting the tone of that culture, and it's completely opposite of what these young men believe. 
So the first thing that we need to fireproof in our life, the first thing we need to understand is you've got to fireproof your worship. You've got to fireproof your worship. The king has created this image of himself and it's, you know, it's shiny, it's grand, it's, it's much bigger than he actually is and he wants everyone around him to worship it. With what's happening here, I kind of think about how often we find ourselves like this in life. Go with me for a second. It's an image of yourself that's a little bit bigger, a little bit shinier, a little bit better looking. Come on, I'm talking about social media. <laughs> it's a great thing. It's a tool. I'm not saying it's evil, but any tool can be used for good or bad. And if you're not careful, it could be something that's stealing your focus. It can be something where we want people to stop, no matter what they're doing, bow down and turn your attention to me. Turn your attention to my life. Stop and look at my life. We might not go to King's Island and bow down to the drop zone because that'd be weird. <laughs> but we'll absolutely take time out of our day to bow down to this image of other people on social media. We'll absolutely take time to do that. And, and, and I'm not just talking about social media. See, worship by definition is outward respect and acknowledgement. Maybe we don't even realize it, but we're image worshipers. How many things have stolen our focus other than Christ Jesus? How many things do we give our attention to? It can be good things, relationships, career, education. They're good things. There's nothing wrong with those things. But are they stealing your focus over, over Jesus? Worship is that outward respect, outward acknowledgement. How many images do we worship right now, is there anything stealing your focus? It's hard to stand up to culture when culture all around us is telling us worship everything else. Give your attention to everything else but Jesus. Give your attention to everything else but church. Everything else is priority and essential but church. I believe the word of God is essential, the church is essential, and Jesus Christ is essential, and he alone deserves our worship. But these three young people, it's hard to stand up to culture, but these three young people had Daniel. Daniel was like, kind of like their leader. Daniel, in many ways, was like their youth pastor. And I always make fun, because I always mess with our students. I say, yeah, y'all are a lot more careful about what you post if you know Savannah or I are following you. <laughs> y'all are a lot, y'all will be a lot more careful with how you drive and talk to other drivers on the road if Pastor Marcus was sitting in the car with you. Oh, God bless you, brother. <laughs> We'd be a lot more careful. <laughs> but what about when Daniel's not there? What about when Daniel's not there? Because that's this moment that these people are faced with. What about those moments where it's just us and God watching? Will we stand then? Will we have standards then? I'm talking about being fire resistant. I'm talking about not being swayed by the culture around us. I think the enemy's just expecting you to fail. I think the enemy's just expecting you to give in. And I dare somebody this morning to surprise the enemy. And if you're going to stand for anything, I encourage you to stand for Jesus. Stand for his word. You fireproof, you fireproof excuse me, your worship by not allowing your focus to be diverted. We keep our focus on the truth. The second thing you need to fireproof in your life is you need to fireproof your heart. Fireproof your heart. What I mean by this is what you intake. What does the Bible say? We are to guard our hearts, for out of it, it flows the spring of life. We are to guard our hearts. Guard what you take in. Guard what you hear. So these young men, the way they're living, the standards that they have, they get the attention of those around them. It's funny how living right will always get the attention of those around you. When you live right, and nine times out of 10, it's not good attention. 
Most of the time when you live right, when you have biblical morals and a godly perspective and worldview, it's not going to align up with the world. You're going to stand out. You're going to get attention drawn to you. And here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hear. They begin to hear there's something different about them. They're not normal. Anybody ever heard that about your life? I know I have. But a lot of times the attention you get is negative and they start drawing negative attention so much so their morals, their, their, their dedication saying, I will worship God and God alone. It starts to frustrate those around them. It starts to aggravate people. And they begin to say in Daniel chapter three and verse 12 to the king, they're saying, here are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. And they do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. They brought these men before the king. And this is what the first thing the king says to him. I love it. The, the, these three men, these worshipers, are brought before the enemy. And the king has one question to ask him. He says, is it true? Is it true? Am I hearing this right? Am I hearing this right? And the king even goes on to explain what exactly their defiance means. He's telling them, if you don't worship the gold image that I've set up, if you don't just bow the little knee, if you don't just turn your attention towards it, this is what you're facing. You're going to be immediately cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And then he says in verse 15, and who is this God that will deliver you from my hands? Who's this God that's going to deliver you from me? I love that the enemy is trying to talk them out of convictions. I love that the enemy is trying to deceive them, blurring the truth, because he's always done that since the garden. Did God really say? Did God really say? Well, I know that you have your standards and your morals, and that's so cute to talk about on a Sunday morning, but do you know what you're up against at home? Do you know what your marriage is up against? Do you know what you're up against financially? Do you know what you're up against with your kids? Do you know what you're up against? Do you realize that there's no logical hope to trust in this God? Who is this God that's going to save you? Because I don't see him. He's not here. You're just, it's just you and me. And I'm the one that's going to put you in the fiery furnace. I hear what you're saying. Who is this God that's going to deliver you? But they had made a decision to fireproof their heart. They guarded their heart. They didn't allow the lies and the deception of the enemy. They didn't allow the lies to poison their beliefs. They didn't allow that to penetrate their heart. They had to guard their heart. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. That's a, that's a sermon right there. Because I think sometimes you just got to get something in your heart to say, enemy, I hear you. I hear the lies. I hear the doubt you're trying to plant in my mind. I understand that maybe logically it doesn't make sense, but I'm not even going to dignify you with a response. God's already spoken, and I don't even need to respond to the lies because that's what it is. It's a deception. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. I love that. That, that, that's, that would be a great verse right there if it ended there, but it doesn't end there. The next verse is what caught my attention, right? Because 17 ends. God will deliver us from your hand, O king, but if not, but if 
not. God will deliver us from you, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you've set up. God will save me. He will deliver me. But if not, my worship still belongs to him. A fireproof heart is not afraid to face the flames. A fireproof heart can't be swayed by the enemy, can't be talked out of your conviction. It's not that you prefer it. It's not that you want the fire. It's not that you want to go through what you're going through, but it's that you trust the outcome. So lastly, what you need to fireproof in your life is you need to fireproof your faith. You need to fireproof your faith. Worship, right, is the outward respect. Your heart is what you allow in, but your faith is a choice. It's what you choose to believe. What does Paul say to Hebrews, right? It's, it's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. I mean, I can't see it. Faith is, is being where these young men were at. They don't see God. They didn't hear this story in children's church and know how it ends. They're, they're facing death. And they're still saying, if not, if God doesn't come through, I still will only worship him. That's a choice. That's evidence in something not yet seen. If not, even when we make it to the fire, I won't serve any other God. Even if, that's not easy. I'm praying, God, keep me from the fire. Maybe you're fasting right now. You're saying, God, keep me from the fire. God, deliver me from the fire. God, I don't want to face this. I don't want to go through this right now. God, keep me from the fire. But if not, if not, he's still good. If not, God's promises are still true. Regardless of what I face, regardless of what you face, regardless of what you see, Regardless of what you're up against, God is still good. You know, I'm reminded of 1 Peter 1, 7. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, watch this, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith is tested by fire. Our choice to believe is tested by fire. It's a test. I was a horrible test taker in school. It's a miracle I got by. But isn't it funny how the teacher's always silent during the test? Let you kind of work up the answer. <laughs> they want the best for you. They want you to succeed. They want you to pass. And they'll give you every tool you need to get through. Our faith is a test. And here, these three individuals are quite literally being tested by fire. 
it's one thing to worship God when your life's going great. That's, e that's easy. It's one thing to guard your heart when you know, life's just easy. And, but I, I rarely meet anybody that their first time coming to church is, yeah, my, my life was just going amazing. My marriage was fantastic. My kids are amazing. I have more money than I know what to do with. I just got a promotion. And I just thought, you know what else I need? Church, you know? <laughs> I've never heard that testimony. And if you have, you're lying. <laughs> no, what, what, what is it normally? I'm broke. I'm out of luck. My relationships are on the rocks. Kids are going crazy and I don't know where else to turn to. I don't know what else to do. I feel like I'm being tested. I feel like the heat's more than I can bear. I feel like I'm in the fire right now. I can't take it much longer. And here these three are. They're in that exact moment. The lowest of the low. And the king hears their defiance their commitment to still worship, to still not bow down, and it infuriates him. It enrages him. He instructs the guards to heat the furnace, the furnace seven times hotter. What, what does that mean? He's saying, I don't want to just burn you. I want to destroy you. I want to take you out entirely. You know, one of my good friends is a firefighter, and he was giving me some statistics. So a fireman's gear can protect an individual up to about 500 degrees. A house fire can reach temperatures on the ceiling between 1,100 and 1,500 degrees. At 1,500 degrees, I can completely destroy a home. On the floor, however, if you stay low, you can be between degrees of 200 to 500. But an enclosed space, like a furnace, an enclosed space can reach temperatures of upwards of 9,000 degrees. At that temperature, you disintegrate. There, there's, there's nothing left of you. That's what the king wanted to do. That's what the enemy, he wanted to completely wipe them out where there's nothing left. And you know what? They're, they're there and they're walking up to the fire and they see the fire and they're saying, surely God's gonna save me. Surely God will rescue me. Surely God will intervene here. I'm getting closer. I feel the flames. I feel the heat. I don't, I don't want to go in. I don't want to go through this. But if not, God, I still love you. God, I still trust you. God, you're still good. You know, for us, you know, two, two years ago, Savannah and I got some, you know, bad news. And I don't want to go into the details of it. But we were told it would be, it would be very hard to impossible to have children. And that just kind of shatters the dream of what life is supposed to be like. And no one tells you that stuff. You're supposed to get married, have kids. That's what you're supposed to do. And it's nothing we wanted to go through. I didn't want to go through it. And it's every day. It's, God, are you here? I said, all right, I still trust you. 
I still love you. One year in, God, I still love you. I'm still trusting you. And we're like, you know what? Maybe we just start this prayer challenge. I got nothing else to lose, right? (laughs) Day one, God, I really want a kid. Day two, God, please. It's a lot of other people and I'm happy for them and I'm so happy, but why not me? Why am I still here? Day three, all right, God, you're still good. Day 10, day 20, day 30, day 39, day 40. And on day 41, we saw our breakthrough. Day 41, God answered that prayer. We were in the fire. You might be in the fire right now. Maybe you just got out of it. No one's one's immune to facing the fire. Might be in the fire, like these men. But it's not the end. Verse 24, the story turns. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look. He answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. They're in the fire, but they're not alone. You're in the fire, but you're not alone. See, a lot of times people think that when you experience God, it's when everything's going great in life. It's when everything's all lining up the way it's supposed to and you think that's a glimpse of heaven. No, a glimpse of heaven is when you're in the fire and there's no way out. There's no one else with you, but you look to your side and Jesus is standing right there with you. And I think he's with you in the fire, reminding you that if you're experiencing hurt in life, it's because he experienced it first. If you're experiencing loss, it's because Jesus experienced it first. If you're experienced betrayal, he experienced it first. I think he's in the fire saying, don't worry. I've been here before. I've been here before and it's not the end. You can trust me. God is with you in the fire. He's always been there. Says the scripture says when they were pulled out, their, their hair wasn't even singed. Temperatures that should disintegrate. Their clothes weren't burned. They didn't even smell like smoke. And isn't it interesting that the guards who put them in the fire, they burned up. So could it be God's leading you to the fire to burn some things up along the way, to take some demons out along the way, to take some enemies out along the way? And you know, I always read this scripture. I always read this scripture and I thought, man, isn't it great that you come out of the fire and you don't lose anything? And I actually said, no, 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 no. The Lord revealed this to me. I was wrong. They did lose something in the fire. They did. Because if you read the scripture, it says that they went into the fire bound. They went into the fire bound. But when they came out of the fire, they were loosed. The only thing that burned up in the fire was anything holding them back or holding them down. So could it be that as you're going through the fires, God is refining you. God is burning off some toxicity. God is burning off some enemies. God is burning off anything that is keeping you held back. Could it be 
I don't say this lightly because we prayed for two years that God would remove what we were facing. Even on that prayer challenge, I said, God, just remove this. God, just, just, just make this happen. Make it happen, Lord. Do what only you can do. And I, I, I like struggled even sharing this because I struggled personally with it. And I wanted to make sure that I was convicted. I've learned to be thankful for the fire. Because if I had to go back, I never thought I'd say this. If I had to go back, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change the diagnosis. I wouldn't change what we went through. It was horrible. It was our fire. And, and I hated every minute of it. But I've never experienced Jesus like I have in this season been saved going on 10 years. I've never experienced the Lord, the breakthrough, the peace. See, everybody wants peace until you need to be comforted. And we needed to be comforted. And Jesus did what only he could do. You think, you think the mountaintop is where you experience Jesus? You're never closer to Jesus than when you're in the fire. If you're in the fire, that's an invitation to have, to have that close proximity with our Lord. I've learned to be thankful. Because when you're in the fire, if you can guard your worship, if you can guard your heart, if you can guard your faith, you're coming out of that fire. You're coming out stronger. You're coming out better. You're coming out refined. You're coming out having a better revelation of who God is and what he's called you to do in your life. You're coming out better. I love this thought. Most people in a fire don't die because of the fire. They don't die because of the heat. The heat is not what gets most people. It's the smoke inhalation. And I think the enemy knows that the fire is not going to take you out. He knows. He's not trying to hurt you with the fire, but, but maybe he's just trying to choke out your breath. Maybe he's trying to, to silence your voice because maybe if he can just keep you from praising, keep you from praying, keep you from seeking God, keep you from sharing your story, keep you from speaking life, because he knows that that's ultimately is, is, is what's going to get you through the fire. He's not worried about the heat, but if the enemy can keep you quiet, that's how he wins. So I don't know about you, but going into this season, I don't want to be quiet. God's given us the gift of breath in our lungs. And I think we ought to just use it every chance we get to declare how good God is, how great he is, how worthy he is, how holy he is. God, in this season, we magnify you. Lord, we don't magnify our problems. We magnify our God. Who is the God that will deliver us? His name is Jehovah. His name is Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. You alone deserve our praise. You alone deserve our worship. God, there's no one like you. Oh, there's no one like you, Jesus. God, I believe you've done a mighty work in our lives this morning. God, guard our hearts. Give us strength in the fire, Lord, for those that are experiencing the fire right now. 
Lord, would your peace and your presence meet them like never before. Give them the perseverance. Give them the strength, Lord. Give them the glimpse of the future you have for them, Lord. Thank you for being with us in the fire, Lord. Thank you for going before us, Lord. You lead us, you stand with us, and your goodness and your mercy, they follow us for all the days of our life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, let's give God some praise today. Come on, isn't he good? He's with you. He's going to see you through. It's not over. It's not the end. Hallelujah. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.